Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Relationship series. Have y'all wanna join this series? Has this been good? Y'all wanna join it? Yeah? That was weak, but this is gonna be good, I promise you. Genesis 2, we're gonna jump straight into the word this morning, Genesis 2. This is actually the very first wedding story that we're looking at this morning. The very first wedding story that ever took place. It reads like this. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man and the man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Today on week four of our relationship series, I wanna talk to you from this thought if you're taking notes, how to have the marriage that God designed. My wife and I have recently had a, a big life change. Uh, we, seven weeks ago, had our second child. Her name is Elle Marie. I think we have a picture on the screens. Come on, y'all say, aw. Uh, she's beautiful. I'm in love. Uh, somehow she's seven weeks old and, and all my money's already getting spent. I don't even know how that's happening, but it is. I noticed something though. Uh, this is our second pregnancy, second child we've had, and I've noticed the pattern now. And it's every time Rochelle gets pregnant, uh, my home turns into an Amazon shipping facility. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I start getting packages out of nowhere. Anything that, that a child could have, it's, it's, it's at my house right now. I just For nine months, packages show up, and guess who is the assembly man? It's me. <laughs> My wife has been exploiting my labor. I need help. <laughs> I've noticed something though in this nine months of getting these products and assembling. I mean, y'all, I've assembled cribs, dressers, toys, gadgets that didn't know existed. I've been assembling them for nine months and I've noticed something. Men, help me out. Maybe I'm not the only one here. I don't like using instruction manuals. Is anybody with me on this? Like, I don't know, I don't like it. Like I, I, I'm assembling products for an infant. I'm a grown man. I don't need an instruction manual to tell me what to do. There was one product in particular that arrived at our house about two months ago, two and a half months ago, called a Mamaroo. Anybody familiar with the Mamaroo? Okay, young moms, yes, thank you. Can, you. can you put a Mamaroo on the screen? I want you to see this. Now, this is actually unbelievable. You strap your child to this device and there is six different modes, okay? It has a circle mode, side to side, wave, with like 10 different speeds. My parents came to my house, true story, about three weeks ago and Elle was in there. And they walked in and they were like, this is amazing. Apparently their mamaroo, when I was a child, you had to hand crank it. Was that a thing? You had to hand crank it and then it's like you let go and it had one mode and one speed, it did this. 
I'm glad I'm parenting in 2024. But I remember uh, this particular device when it arrived to my house, I grabbed the package and went in my room and did my normal rhythm. I get, I get my screwdriver and my hammer and, and I start just assembling this product. I start emptying everything out of the box and putting it together. And two hours into the assembly process, two hours, I kid you not, I finished. It took about an hour and 45 minutes longer than it should have, but it was done. I plugged it into the wall and uh, I pressed power. And like, I'm not the manufacturer of these things, but it went from having six modes and six speeds to one mode. It just shook violently a lot. <laughs> I called Rochelle in. I'm like, babe, the product is broken. I've wasted two hours. You're exploiting my labor. I, I'm, I, it's not working. It's, it's, it's malfunctioning. It was just doing this as fast as it could. She grabbed the box and she started looking in the box. And, and when she did like this with the box, a bag of bolts fell out. These aren't, this ain't like an accessory sticker. This isn't like a screw. It's like, you know, there's products you could like, that's just an extra screw. These were four bolts with nothing. You need these to assemble this product, okay? My wife is sitting there with the bolts in her hand and I'm looking at this demonic device and, and she, she, I got a question for you. I said, I said, what? She said, did you use the, the, the instruction manual. And it was about right there at that moment that I had this revelation. Every time I try assembling something without using the instruction manual, I end up with a barely functioning version of the product. Every time I, and all of my own wisdom, try putting the pieces together by myself because I'm good like that. There's always a disconnect from what I'm holding, what's in front of me and the picture on the box. And this morning in week four of our relationship series, I just wonder if this is a picture of what's happening in marriages today. Statistics tell us that in 2022, 50% of all marriages now in divorce, 50%. While at the same time, in 2023, statistics tell us that now 63% of all people are no longer living life with a biblical worldview. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you think it's any coincidence that we've thrown out the instruction manual and now the product's broken? You see, God has given us the instruction manual, hear me for the very thing that he designed. <laughs> Let me remind someone this morning, marriage is not man's idea. Marriage is God's design. Now I know we're living in a culture, I get it, where marriage is being repackaged and relabeled and redefined. But let me pause for the cause of just making this truth statement. <laughs> if God designed it, he defines it. If God is the manufacturer or the creator, the designer of marriage, he and he alone gets to say what it looks like, how the pieces should function. This morning in the story we're reading, I believe that God gives us a blueprint. He gives us a blueprint for the very thing that he designed. These are four ways to have the marriage that God designed. If you're taking notes, 
The first thing we see, if you want to have the very thing God intended, how he intended it, the first thing you gotta know is you can't do it, say that with me, alone. Look at Genesis 2.18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, how many of you know, like this is just a good like rule of thumb in general, it's not good just to leave men alone for too long, just like in general. Come on, ladies, that's amen right there. That's, that's your moment. Okay, I'm coming for you later, so just don't say too loud. Just... True story, my wife and I, we lived in Southern California for about five years, and, and uh, I think it was 2020, and we had this really tiny apartment, and she went on a girl's trip for about four days. And it was about day three of me being alone in my living room, and and in our apartment, we had this big wall, this like eight foot wall and our couch was pushed up against it. And on day three of being left alone, I, I decided that it would be a good idea for me to go purchase a piece of art to surprise my wife. I, uh, I went to the store and I, I mean, I was looking online like best pieces of art, most beautiful pieces of art. Like I'm just trying to be a good husband, you know. I spent all day looking for this piece of art and then I finally found it. I mean, this thing was amazing. Six feet wide, four feet. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I get home and I, I hang the piece of art. I'm fired up, I'm excited. I'm giddy for her to get home, surprise her. And the next day she shows up and uh, by the way, no one prepared me for this part of marriage. So single people, like this is a part of it. She walks in, the very first thing she says is, uh, what's that? I'm like, it's, it's art. She's like, yeah, that's not gonna be in our living room. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, this is my house and this is my, I'm just joking, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not how marriage goes. I'm like, babe, this is, this is, you have no taste. This is a beautiful piece of art. She goes, Joseph, I'm not gonna have a picture of Joe Burrow smoking a cigar in my living room. You know, teach their own. It's art to me. It's now in our attic. And one day when I have a man cave, it will be rehung in my space that I will have. It's not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. <laughs> now, if you took that word alone and you hyphenated it, it would, it would actually say that it's not good for man to be, to be all one. Now, I love that God himself speaks to this. This is Genesis. This is the beginning of the Bible. I love that God said in the design of this thing called man, remember he's manufacturing us. In the instructions, it says that it's actually not good for this man to be alone. Now, I love this because it speaks to the fact that we do serve a relational God who not only desires that we have a vertical relationship with him, but we really were designed to have horizontal relationships with our spouse. The first thing that you gotta know if you wanna have the marriage God designed is you can't do it alone. The second thing you gotta know if you wanna have the marriage that God designed is your words have, say that with me, power. Look at Genesis 2.21 in the story we're reading. It says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, 
This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. In the story we're reading, God puts, God puts Adam to sleep and some theologians say that it was at this time while he was asleep that God removed the gentle part of man, the sensitive part of man, the part of man that can be a little bit emotional. And he shaped it with the rib into an irresistible package, hear me, that Adam named woman. Man, let me talk to you for a moment this morning. Your wife will be what you name her. And doing marriage counseling, I've discovered a theme with all men, all of them. Every man wants a beautiful, strong, confident, secure woman of God. But how many of you know, like, that didn't just happen accidentally. <laughs> Plants aren't out here just like flourishing on their own. <laughs> they get tended to and they get watered and they, when weeds pop up, they're, they're protected. It's, it's intentional. The picture that I see so clearly when I'm talking about this topic is a gardener tending to his garden. That really is such a great picture of what our words and our marriage must be. I was in a counseling session recently and um, a few months ago in between services and about five minutes into the session, it became very aware to me. This is a marriage that had been going for 15 years now. And it became very aware to me that the husband was verbally abusive. And we got into the session and the wife tried to talk twice and he just like shut her up, just harsh, just cold. And he's talking and at that point, I'm just kind of tuning him out and was looking at this woman who, beautiful, but it was so evident that she is now a shell of the person she used to be. Oh yeah, your words are powerful. Look at what Proverbs 18.21 says. It says, death and life are in the what? Power of the tongue. If you wanna have the marriage that God designed for you, you gotta understand the power of your words. I love what Billy Graham says about this. He says, if you want a great marriage, then refuse to speak harshly to your spouse. Harsh words destroy marriages. Speak with kindness, tenderness, and encouragement to each other. I love this last part. The tone of your words will shape the tone of your marriage. The tone of your words will shape the tone of your marriage. Can I just present this thought to you today? If you don't like the tone of your marriage, you need to change the tone of your tongue. The second thing we see if you wanna have the marriage that God designed is you gotta understand your words are powerful. Your words have the ability to do, to do one of two things, either build someone up or tear someone down. Every day it is my privilege to be able to speak to Rochelle and tell her that you're beautiful and you're amazing and you're generous and you're kind. That is my responsibility as her husband. The second thing we see is you gotta understand that your words have power. The third thing you gotta understand if you wanna have the marriage that God designed is you are a helpmate. Look at Genesis 2.18. It says, I will make a helper who is just right. Now I love that that verse says helper because it actually gives like a working definition to what you get in a spouse. Now like I'm, I didn't say hellmate, jailmate or stalemate. So if you have any of those three, come see me for marriage counseling. A, a, a helpmate. When you get married, you, you actually get a helpmate. This was something that I remember learning very early on in marriage is 
you know, I have an amazing family. My wife has an amazing family. Both of us have so many great friendships. But when you get married, you only have one helpmate. This means on the tough days in marriage, because how many of y'all know there are some tough days in marriage? This means in the moments where one of you missed the mark, because inevitably all of us miss the mark, your God-assigned role is not to say you did it again. Your God-assigned role is not to say you're just like your mom. Your God-assigned role is not to say I knew it was going to happen. No, 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 no. Your God-assigned role is to be a helpmate, to help in ways that only you can. Now, what are some practical ways that we can be a helpmate? I'm going to give you two things. These are practical, but make no mistake, they are powerful. The first thing is you got to learn how to listen. Come on, how many are talkers? I'm a talker. I like to have the last word. I like to have the final word, the final say. And like, I'm not really listening to you when you're talking to me. I'm actually thinking about how I'm going to destroy you the moment you stop speaking. Uh, my dad always used to tell me that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And it's, that's because he wants us to listen twice as much as we speak. Look at James 1.19. It says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Dr. Tony Evans says it beautifully. Your marriage should be a safe place for your hurts to be heard. Boy. Marriages, relationships, dating relationships, this is where they become so unhealthy. Whenever your marriage stops being a safe place for your spouse to share their hearts, their dreams, their desires, their disappointments, that's when they start finding someone at work that's listening to them. And they start going online and finding someone to listen to them because their home is no longer a safe place. Yeah, the first thing, if you want to really be a helpmate, actually listen. The second thing, this is just helpful, if you wanna learn how to be a helpmate, is you gotta take action. Look at 1 John 3, 18. It says, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with, say it with me, actions. Look what Jimmy Evans says. Action speaks louder than words. We can apologize over and over, but if our actions do not change, the words become meaningless. Wow, that's powerful. Here's the truth. Some of y'all are here today and in your relationships and your marriages, your words are meaningless because they've been empty of action for a really, really, really long time. And if that's you, I wanna give you some encouragement this morning. I wanna encourage you to enter into a season of putting some time between who you say you are and who you actually are. That just requires action taking action in your marriage, taking action in your parenting, taking action when you get home. Two things that you can do if you wanna be a helpmate. The first is listen. The second is take action. Third thing we see if you wanna have a marriage God designed is you gotta be a helpmate. And lastly, you gotta understand clearly that you both have roles. A few months ago, I was in the lobby after church and hugging on people, just talking to people. And there was an older gentleman, him and his wife, showed up and she was like pushing a rocker and they were like holding each other and it was one of those Hallmark pictures. And I just said, hey, I just gotta talk to you just for a moment. How long have y'all been married? He said, we've been married for 58 years. I said, okay, well, can we just pause and you just give me one thing, just give me one, like what's the secret? What's your, 
What's just one thing that you could give a young married guy? And he told me something that really was so profound. And it sounded so simple, but the more I unpacked it when I went home, I'm like, this is powerful. He said, one of the best things, if I could go all over again and tell myself at the beginning, is to understand clearly that both of you have roles. And then he said this. He said, marriage is like a dance. And when you both perform your roles, the dance is beautiful. Ephesians 5 makes the husband's role and the wife's role very clear. Ladies, Ephesians 5 says, wives, be, say that word with me, devoted to your husband like you were tenderly devoted to the Lord. Now, I love that definition of devotion. Devotion means love, loyalty, and unwavering support. Love, loyalty, and unwavering support. Do you remember when you, uh, when you got married, if you just go back with me and and you're gonna walk down the aisle. I don't know how many are like me, but I was somewhere between vomiting and passing out. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that moment. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm walking down the aisle and this is just transparent. Some things I share are informational, meaning I want you to take them, apply them so it can transform your life. Some of them are a confession. This is a confession. Uh, when I was walking down the aisle, I was so broke my phone buzzed. I didn't check it until after the wedding. I got a notification from Chase that I was $50 negative in my account while walking down the aisle. <laughs> it's like, we're married now. Yeah. Let's join accounts. Please, God. Please help. I don't recommend that. If you're single, get your money right. Please. Walk down the aisle. You know, you're walking down there and get there and it's beautiful and your wife is just, it's like everything else disappears. It's like you forget everything else that's around you. It's just, it's just y'all two and you're just, you're locked in. And, and then everyone in this room, we all said the same thing. Said your vows. All of us did. I said, I take Rochelle to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for richer or in sickness till death do us part. So often today, I don't, see uh, that kind of devotion that the Bible talks about. I see a conditional devotion to where I'm in it for better, for richer, and for health. True love, loyalty, and unwavering support isn't tested and for better, for wealth, and in health. No, no, no. True devotion isn't even tested until it's in sickness and for worse and for poor. So often when it gets difficult, people just bounce and leave. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Yesterday I was uh, driving home and 
where I live, it's, there's a gas station right around Sugar Mill Pond and it's right on the corner. And I went into the gas station and uh, I went inside to swipe my card and I'm there and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, talking to the, register, the lady at the register and it's kind of a high, tall counter so I couldn't really see behind, but just casual conversation. And, and I hear three kids laughing behind the counter. So I kind of peek around and I see three kids that look like they're under the age of 10 and they're all gathered around an iPad and they're, they're laughing. So I start talking to the woman at the counter. I said, are these your kids? She said, yes. I told her I'm a pastor and we begin to talk life and she began to tell me her story and her and her husband married for almost 20 years and they had also lived in a part of Southern California that I lived in. We, we connected on that. We're just talking and going to tell me how amazing her husband is. He's been an amazing provider. He's also a man of God, goes to a different church. And, and then she began to tell me how, how three months ago, uh, her husband's father passed away tragically. That was his best friend. That was his rock. She said now uh, her husband has actually fallen into like a clinical depression and he can't even get out of bed. She began to tell me how she, uh, for the first time, went from being a homemaker to getting two jobs while her husband gets help. They don't have childcare on Fridays and Saturdays, so the kids come to work with her for both of her jobs, 10-hour days. And I'm sitting here looking at this woman thinking, devotion, devotion. In sickness, for worse, poor, when the money doesn't show up, when it's not convenient, when it'd be easy to walk. Devotion. I asked you a simple question this morning. Do you have that kind of devotion? Is it for better, for richer, and in health? Or is it in sickness? For worse, poor. Ephesians 5 makes the role very clear. Just be devoted. Men, Ephesians 5 makes the husband's role very clear as well. It says, husbands, provide leadership for your wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church when you read that word leadership, I don't want you like banging your chest like, yeah, what's up? I'm the leader. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, what I say goes, what's up? Good luck with that in marriage. <laughs> I actually thought that's how it worked when I got married. I quickly realized that's not how it works at all. <laughs> yeah, that word leadership, all that actually means is responsibility. Come on, business owners, you know this. Everyone wants to be the leader. And you, 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 on Christmas and everyone else with their families, you're thinking about, are the bills paid? Are my employees taken care of? There's no days off. You're the most responsible. You're the leader. Congratulations. You get to carry the responsibility. I want to break this down for a moment. God did not create Adam and Eve at the same time. You know this if you read the story of Genesis in the beginning. God created Adam first. God gave 
Adam his responsibility. God gave Adam his word. Why? Because God ultimately holds men responsible first. When the fall happened, God didn't come saying, Adam and Eve, where are y'all? What did he say? He said, Adam, where are you? When God made his covenant, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. Hear me, women are critical, women are essential. I'm not even talking about rank. I'm talking about responsibility. When men fail in their role, it's like the foundation of a house failing. The other parts are critical, but their the stability is dependent on the foundation. Foundation doesn't have to be pretty, but it better be firm and it better be consistent and it better show up. Make no mistake, men, if you're here today, when a husband and a father abandon their role, the ripple effect it leaves is a tsunami that your family will drown in. I was in student ministry for almost 10 years as a youth pastor and something that become very apparent. I don't wanna say 100%, but I'll say 99.99999% of all troubled kids that I ever worked with was a result of a father that abandoned his role. Every girl that was always hopping from relationship to relationship, giving herself away, was looking to be told you're valuable you're worth it, I love you, because they never got it from their father. And oh, the dark places young men go when they're left with inevitably these two things in the absence of a father. Number one, why do you leave me? And number two, if he left me, then I must not be valuable, because who leaves valuable things? I can't think of anything more opposite to this book, more contrary to a picture of a kind, heavenly, loving father than a father who abandons his role. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching and I, and I kept using that word father, 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 father. And I got off the stage and I was talking to a young man. He said, man, I hope it's not a father because the picture that I have is horrible. I wanna give you a charge this morning. It's time to rise up in your role. It's time to start showing up. Men and women of God, hear me. It's time to start speaking life over your marriage. It's time to start taking action in your home. It's time to start being consistent. It's time to start being steadfast. It's time to build your life on God's word, his promises, and his truth. It's time to start showing up. And if you'll do that, here's what I'm confident of. Confident. You will have the very thing that God designed. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I believe there's two groups of people in this room. I think the first group is saying, Pastor, when you were talking about the father that left, that's all I know. 
That's my story. My entire life, that's been me. I've spent years after years trying to like rebuild the broken pieces of trying how to, how to even do this marriage thing because I never saw it. And my parents split, it was dysfunctional, it was broken. I don't know how to do that. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're saying, I saw the picture. My parents had a great marriage, but I know I'm missing the mark. <laughs> I'm so short with my wife. When I come home, it's like I have patience for everybody else but her. Everybody else gets the good me except the person that would die for me. I know I need to change. This is convicting. This is like hitting me right in the heart. If that's you and you're here and you're saying, uh, Pastor, I, I need help in my relationship. I need help in my marriage. That's, that's me. This is just you and I looking. Uh, my goal is never to embarrass you here, but with every head bowed and every eyes closed, uh, on the count of three, if you just raise your hand, if you're saying, I need help in my marriage, I wanna pray for you. One, two, three, if that's you. Come on, hands up all over, all over. Way too many to count. I see you, I see you, I see you. From the left to the right, you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you that your grace and strength show up in the middle of our weakness. That we ain't gotta have it all together. I don't have to have all the strength. I don't have to have all the answers because I know the one who does. I surrender my way for yours. Come and help me, Father. Come and strengthen this thing. God, I pray specifically over the men here that are saying, I, I, Pastor, I need help. God, give them strength to run the race that you've called them to run. Give them strength to be a man of God, to show up in their home and be a picture of Jesus to their wife. Give them strength to be a godly father. Give them strength to be a picture of something they never had on earth, but they have it in heaven. I thank you for what you're gonna do in these marriages. And I pray right now specifically for the women who are saying, Pastor, I know that I haven't done my job. I know I've been tearing my husband down. God, give them wisdom to build up their home with their words. Give them wisdom to be that word in Ephesians 5, devoted. Give them strength to be the firm foundation for their home. And the second group, those that are saying, Pastor, I hear you talking about Jesus, but I don't even have a relationship with him. <laughs> I've done religion, like I've checked the box. That's what I know. But a relationship, what you're talking about, I don't know anything about a relationship. If that's you, I wanna to speak to you for a moment. God loves you. He loves the real you. Like when you go home at night and you put down your phone and you get off Instagram and you lay your head on your pillow, that you, that's who Jesus is jealous over. Yeah, God loves you for who you really are, not for who you pretend to be. You don't have to pretend with him. He wants all of you. He don't want partial custody of you. That's you and you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I can't even, I cannot leave the way I came in. I won't do it. I want a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to be born again. I want my journey to start today. On the count of three, every head bowed, every eyes closed, just me looking. If that's you, you're saying, I want a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, he's been waiting. Two, the time is now. Three, if that's you, raise your hand. Come on all over this place. Keep them high. Keep them high. 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. So good. You can put your hands down. Church family, can we pray this prayer together with those who just made that decision? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate those who made a decision here today? It's awesome. Hey, listen, before you're dismissed, I just want to let you know we're so proud of you for all the 20-something hands that went up. Your next step, if you prayed that prayer to be, uh, to be born again, your next step is water baptism. So make sure you complete this card before you leave. You can leave it in your pew or you can turn it into our team at the Next Steps area. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. How many of you enjoyed that message today from Pastor Joseph? Wasn't it good? Amazing. Now, if I may, let me bless you. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And may he bless you in your going out and coming in and all that you set your hands to for his kingdom. May he prosper it and may he bless it. I bless you now in the name of the Father, his son, Jesus, and the all abiding Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray in the church said a good. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Don't forget our prayer team will be down front. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.